Hey, everybody. How's it going? Thank you so much for tuning back into the podcast. As always, I appreciate it a ton. And I've got a really exciting episode with a former guest of the show. And it's been three years since he and I spoke. A lot's happened in both of our lives. He's a podcaster with a, a very successful podcast that's been downloaded millions of times called Order of Man. Uh, he's also an author um, of a couple of books, including The Masculinity Manifesto, How a Man Establishes Influence, Credibility, and Authority. We had a great conversation, and it was nice catching up after three years to talk about everything from parenthood to accountability, uh, you know, victim mentality that we see a lot in this world. And we even talked about how to draw the line um, where extending a helping hand goes from being like a good thing that you're doing to something that's, you know, maybe a bad thing where it's detrimental because not everybody's willing to be helped. So really, really powerful episode that I hope you enjoy. Give it up for my guest, Ryan Mickler. But before you enjoy the episode, head over to litdistro.co and grab yourself a custom exclusive Zippo lighter with brands that we collaborate with, such as Greg Overton. If you are a brand yourself and you'd like to collaborate with Zippo, reach out to Lit as well. You can find our contact information on the website and you can use code curious for 15% off of any order. That's litdistro.co, Lit Distribution, a Zippo master service distributor. I was actually just looking back to try to get a sense of when it was that I had you on here last. And it was yeah. further back than I thought. It was end of March of 2021. And was it that long ago? It was. Yeah. That's I, wild. I'm going to drop a truth bomb here. I was really disappointed after we spoke and it wasn't because of you. I think I had a little bit of like, man, I really want to talk to this guy. I got on here and I turned it into student interviewing a teacher in seventh grade. And so I, I always think back to our conversation and I'm like, you know what? Preparation is more broad than, you know, an hour chunk of time before you talk to somebody. So I think I was speaking to you from a place of where I wanted to be and not where I was, maybe to say it a little bit more concise. And, yeah. No, I mean, know. that happened. Like, I think <clears throat> when I started podcasting, I, I kind of did similar, you know, I had pre-scripted questions I wanted to get through and um, a lot like you were talking about, I don't remember feeling that way. So, I mean, and I know it's been a little while. I don't remember feeling that way for what it's worth. I enjoyed our conversation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get that. And then when you like evolve and grow and, and mature in, in having conversations, obviously you look back and you're like, Ooh, yeah, like a bunch of cringe moments. Right. But also the thing that's helped me more than anything is not so much preparation ahead of time for what it's worth. It's just being an, obviously the name of the podcast, curious, yeah. like being genuinely curious about what makes a person tick, why they think the way they think, what makes them compelled to do certain things or behave in a certain way. Um, that, that level of curiosity has been helpful for me for what that's worth. No, I, I appreciate that. And uh, it's funny. I've had this conversation way too many times, but I think it's probably really important to share it right now. I think for me, especially, and I would, bet a lot of men have this similar thing happening. 
I was overwhelmed with hobbies, tasks. I was saying yes to everything. Um, mm. Probably a lot of reasons why people do that. But for me, in retrospect, I was searching for my purpose. And I was afraid to say no to anything because I was afraid that that may be what I found fulfillment in. That may be the next thing, right? I was just on this wild goose chase. And I would have told myself, or if somebody would have asked me then, I would have been like, no, no, no. I know exactly where I'm going. I had a broad direction that I wanted better, right? But I didn't know what that meant, how it was going to be applicable in my life, who I would be impacting. And for me, it was having kids. And I'm sure that's a big one for a lot of people. It's probably other things for other people too. But for me, once I had them, my purpose became very clear. And I was instantly like way easier to say no to things. But I don't think you're wrong for doing it that way. Like sometimes you don't know what your purpose is and you look back, you're like, oh, I was doing all these things. I shouldn't have done that. Well, I don't know. Maybe that was the exact thing you should have been doing, which actually led you to finding your purpose. It's easy to look back as the saying goes, hindsight is twenty twenty. But three years, five years, 10 years ago, you didn't have the information that you have today. So you're, we, we tend to look at our past through the lens of today. And you'll hear that a lot. What would you teach your 18-year-old self? I wouldn't teach him anything because he's too dumb and dense to learn anything. He's got to get his ass handed to him occasionally. And, and I, I think that's the point with what you're saying is, it's easy to look back and say, oh man, I did that wrong. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. But maybe because you did that, that actually led you to where you are right now. And that was just a season of life. I actually encourage people to say yes, to try new things, to experiment, to see what they like, to see what they don't like. And, and I actually take, that's one of my core values. Try it. Just try it. Like I'm going to go skydiving this year. I don't want to actually, it's not even something I really want to do. But it's been on my mind. I'm like, okay, well, I should probably go do that. I have I have zero expectation of ever doing it again, but I'm going to go do it, right? Or running a marathon or starting a podcast or asking that woman on a date or fill in the blank with whatever. Just say yes, and then you can start to whittle away from there, especially if you don't have your purpose. If you already have your purpose, that's different. That's a different yeah. conversation. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't th I I think it was very valuable for me. In a way, like it's it goes almost layers before that, right? Because I could attribute why I was in that spot because of maybe some of the the challenges that myself and my brothers had as children, right? Like and certainly it's I've said this before. I didn't have like some horrible horrible childhood. There's people that have had it extremely worse than me. Sure. Um, but a lot of the things that I had to overcome put me in a place where I didn't have that purpose yet. But to your point, where would I be today if I didn't say, hey, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast when everybody told me, oh, okay, Joe Rogan. Okay. Another guy doing another guy. Oh, you do jujitsu? Oh, ice baths yeah. now? You're, geez, Joe Rogan. And it's like, yeah. well, first of all, the guy's winning. So like, I, I don't know, maybe there's, there's a reason. And by the way, you guys are all doing it secretly. You just don't have the nuts to like go out there and talk about it because you're not confident in yourself yet or, you know, anything else. And that I've been that guy too, right? I've been the, the scared dude that wants to criticize other people that I see doing the things that I'm doing, but actually doing it to the full extent and like putting it out there because they are confident. And so it's like, I guess my point is that those hard challenges to your initial point it it really shapes who you are today and i 
if I didn't go through it, if I didn't try the dumb stuff that I did, I wouldn't be sitting here having a conversation with you. That's for sure. Right. Well, and I wouldn't be here either because I did the same thing. I started a podcast for financial planning, realized I love doing podcasting. I didn't want to have the same financial conversation. So I pivoted nine years ago, but I love when people say, Oh, Joe Rogue, you know, like at your point is excellent. Yeah. The guy's winning. People have called me in the past. It's kind of funny, actually the dumb man's version of Jordan Peterson. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> like the fact, the fact that you're mentioning me in the same sentence as Jordan Peterson says I'm light years out yeah. ahead of whatever it is that you're griping and complaining about. So yeah. And also you're not wrong. I am the dumb, dumber version for sure. than just about everybody, not just Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good point. Then there's, you know, I've never met a critic that's doing better than me, at least in the, and in the core, right. Um, maybe on the surface, but I, uh, well, but I also think it's important to, I, I look, I've heard people say that before. And I think generally that's probably true. And the sentiment behind it makes sense to me, yeah. but I've had people who are doing better than me criticize me, but they do it in a healthy, productive way. Right. So like, for example, uh, a great example of that would be Andy Frasilla he's told me things that are really uncomfortable to hear and give me feedback and insight, but I know he's doing it because he expects more and he wants to call me to doing something bigger and better. I've got a lot of mentors and coaches who do that, who are doing significantly bigger things in the realm of business or podcasting or fill in the blank. Sure. And so they are doing better and they are criticizing, but it's the way that they do it and their motive for doing so. We need a new term. I just think we need to right? throw that out there. No, yeah. you're, you're dead on because it's it all comes back to intent, right? There's never been somebody who's criticized. Maybe this is a more accurate way to say it. There's never been somebody who's criticized with the intent to tear somebody down to feel better about themselves that is doing better than you, I think. And, and, of course. You know, that's probably more. And so there's... Is what Andy Frasilla does to you criticism? Maybe, right? But it's not the same type of criticism. And is what they're giving criticism? I could argue he's probably giving criticism and they're giving something else. Bullshit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's really what, because criticism, like we don't need to get in the definition of things, but they're critiquing. They're, they're looking at your plan or your current behavior. And they're saying, this is right. This is wrong. That's a critique. But we, as a society, are so weak. We've placed this negative connotation around everything that makes us feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with feeling uncomfortable. If somebody who is doing better than me in the realm of podcasting tells me to get a new microphone because your audio sucks, it's going to hurt a little bit. But I'm like, yeah, I better listen to that. Oh, great. And then I'll go buy that new microphone like that. So I'm, I'm okay with critique if it's coming from the right people with the right motive. What are you telling me, Ryan? I'm not telling. I your, your audio quality sounds great, man. I don't look. I, don't, I also don't play games, brother. So if I if I if I thought your audio quality sounded horrible, I would just say, "Hey, bro, get a new mic." Because and I've been there. You know, I when I started podcasting, nine well, ten years ago now, because I had that other podcast. Um, <clears throat> I had this like sixty dollar Blue Yeti mic. It was fine for what I was currently doing, and now I've got you know a five hundred dollar mic. So it's, it, and even that I could upgrade it and improve. And I've spent a lot of actually time and energy on increasing the quality of our video, investing in new cameras, making sure that I understand how all the platforms we use work to produce the highest quality images. 
because that's what professionals do. You know, we just had the Super Bowl. If you look at these guys, a lot of the drills that they're doing, whether it's football or baseball or hockey or basketball or lacrosse or fill in the blank with your sport of choice, these guys are doing the same drills that they were doing when they were in sixth grade or fourth grade or third grade. They're doing the same drills, but they're doing it better. Baseball players still, professional baseball players still hit off a tee. They still do soft toss into the fence. They just do it exceptionally well and they're looking for little ways to improve if you take a world champion power lifter i can go to the gym this morning and do some bench presses that guy's doing bench presses too but he's critiquing every little thing he's like okay where where do i where do i need to put my feet how do i need to arch my back what's the path of the bar what's the grip look like and so he's taking that same behavior and he's whittling each little minute little detail down to the nth degree and then improving that. And that's where those, they are incremental changes, but it compounds over time. Well, that's and, a and metaphor think, for life. For anything, right? A relationship, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a bunch of guys who are going to, we're recording this February 14th. It's Valentine's day. There's a lot of guys. Look, I had a conversation with a couple guys this morning, friends. I'm not going to throw their names out there because I'm not going to throw them under the bus. But one of them was like, oh, yeah, my wife doesn't care. Come on now. Are you sure? Because there's a lot of guys out there who are going to take their wife out for a date tonight or buy, you know, whatever they think they're supposed to buy, right? And they check it off the list. Like, oh, yeah, I took her on a date, got her the chocolate, sent her roses to her work or whatever, and hopefully I'll get laid tonight. But then there's other guys who are like, you know what? I'm going to put some thought behind this. And they've been thinking about it for two, three, four weeks. I'm going to get my wife or my significant other something customized, something personalized, mm-hmm. an inside joke maybe that we have. And I'm going to get her a gift around that or an expression of her specific personality. Same behavior, gift, gift. Who's going to get laid? Who's better connected? Who has a better relationship? They did the same thing. It's the one who actually had some thought and heart and intentionality behind it. And it's the same thing if you're lifting weights, going on a date, starting a business, growing that business, asking for promotions, serving your clients, coming up with a new hobby or something that you're interested in, man, it makes a world of difference. What do you think drives that? What? That lack of self, like I would, I would say that that's a lack of self-belief. Like you're, you're kind of you're putting that on your wife to say that she doesn't care, but is that's not a direct reflection of her. That's a, that's a reflection of something inside of you. I, look, when you say your wife doesn't care. Okay. Let me give you a scenario. We have man a, and he says, my wife doesn't care. And uh, so I'm just going to do the bare minimum. And then you have man B who says my wife doesn't care, but I care. I want her to know. I love her. I want her to know that she's important and special to me. And so I'm going to put a little effort behind it. Do you, th- the same could be potentially even the same woman, right? Same type of woman. Ah, she doesn't really care about Valentine's day. Don't you think the woman who with man B is going to be grateful that you went out of your yeah, way? But I guess my do- point is like, is man a saying she doesn't care about me because he wants to create a world where he doesn't have to live up to something because he I doesn't just think he's lazy. Okay. And that's, that's my point. Like I, sometimes I see people and I'm like, wow, there's, it's deeper. You're 
I have a family member. That's why I'm thinking this. I have a family member who just constantly, I, and I saw you posted something today about victim mentality, right? It's just like mm-hmm. every, it's woe is me. It's always the world's out to get this person. And I believe this person is extremely intelligent. They're talented. They have a lot of great value. They've tried a lot of things. So they certainly have this ability to to kind of like say, you know what, I'm going to try this new thing. I'm going to, but it never lasts. And it's always everybody else's fault. I think this person isn't lazy. I think this person has no self-confidence and that inability to believe in themselves. It's like riding a skateboard that's wobbling. They want to jump off because they're scared to death. And it's like, hey, if you can just live for a week, chain it together and see that the successes that you can have, it starts to compound. I think this person could have a wildly successful life, but they can't get out of their own way. Now, to your point, I'm sure there's lazy people. Um, You know, there's a lot of them. I run into them daily. But do you do you think there's any truth to the fact and how much of it do you think is people that just don't believe in themselves? Well, I think I point taken. Like I, I think that's well said. There are a lot of people who don't believe in themselves, who don't have confidence. But I think when you're the way that you're saying it almost makes it sound like people just need to have confidence just because. And that's not really how confidence works. Like you can't just wake up today and decide, hey, I'm gonna podcast. And uh, I'm going to be confident in doing it. What gives you the right to believe that you can be confident in something that you've never done before? Right? Let's say you want to go pick up a new sport. And let's you said jujitsu. Let's say you want to go try jujitsu. What in the world makes you think that you should be entitled to be confident about training jujitsu when you've never been on the mats with somebody before? I think that's a big hangup for a lot of guys is they're like, I just need to be more confident. No, bro. You can't just be more confident. You have to earn it. Mm -hmm. One thing you can be though is courageous. You can just decide today. Let's say, let's take jujitsu. I'll give you three or four examples. Yeah. You can just decide today that, Hey, I've been thinking about doing jujitsu for a while. And I've been, I've been a little bit afraid and scared about going and feeling inadequate, but I'm going to go anyways. That's what we would call courage or, you know, man, there's this woman, she works at the office down the hall and I see her every day and we've interacted and exchanged a little bit. And she's, you know, she's, I'm really attracted to her. Um, I'd like to ask her out, but I'm not confident. You don't need to be confident. You just need to be courageous, which is, you know what? Today's the day I'm going to ask her Valentine's day. I'm going to ask her out today because I want to, you can decide to be courageous but you can't decide to be confident. That confidence is earned and it's only earned through the courage to take action. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier. Sometimes it is just laziness. It's the path of least resistance. I talk a lot about this concept of the natural man. He's lazy. He's immediate gratification. He wants the result without the effort. He'll beg, he'll cheat, he'll lie, he'll steal in order to get what he wants. And we have to, as men, constantly rail against that guy. I woke up this morning. I'm like, I don't want to go work out. I committed to a buddy. He lives about 40 minutes away from me. I committed to him last week, two weeks ago, I think that I would come to his house this morning. So I woke up at four 30 this morning and I'm like, nah, I'm going to call it. (laughs) I'm like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to get your ass out of bed. You told him you'd be there. 
you're going to get ready and, and have a good attitude and you're going to go do the workout. Mm-hmm. I had to fight against that natural man. And that's what we need to do. The natural man doesn't want to get rejected by a woman. The natural man doesn't want to look foolish at jujitsu. So just be courageous and do it anyways. I think it's important for people to realize that successful men have to be courageous in instances because they don't have that confidence to draw from, right? Like, I think there's a lot of people who put folks on a pedestal and they don't realize that there are human beings underneath that. Uh, that have all the same challenges. I've, you know, seen Goggins talk about how he'll stare at his running shoes and be like, oh man, I don't want to run today. I mean, that's somebody who you would never think would have those thoughts. And there's not enough of that. And I don't know why men, well, I'm, I'm sure you probably have some thoughts, but men, men don't like to share that vulnerability, right? They don't like to talk about the fact that they don't have that confidence and that they had to draw on courage or some other means to push them into something. Um, But I know I've been guilty of that. I just seem to think that people don't run into the same challenges. And then this podcast and life in general experiences that I've been able to have have opened up my eyes to just how much real life everybody has to go through. And I don't know if social media allows us to hide it better than before, because it's also a window to be more real. You've done a great job of that. I think I commend you for being as open and you know real with everybody over your last few years and your journey. It's honestly made me, not that I didn't respect who you were before, but it's added this layer of like, wow, like this guy's relatable. There's like real tangible skills that you're watching him utilize in real time. And I think that's that's an important thing for men, especially to see other men who are achieving things. It's like, hey, man, I'm weak, too. I have moments where I doubt myself. I have moments where I'm not sure, but I choose to take that step forward, whether it's getting up and working out, whether it's going to jujitsu class. I mean, dude, I've single handedly over the last two months probably forced three or four people to come to jujitsu. I'm like, listen, you tell me all the time you're going to do it. Kind of like you're, it's like, look, I'm you're coming with me on Wednesday, plain and simple, be there or I'm going to come and pick you up. And every one of those people has told me, thank you. I don't know that I'm going to continue it. A couple of them, I think will, but they've all said, thank you. I would have never done this on my own. I was lying to myself. I'm taking notes. I love what you're saying, man. I take notes all the time when I'm podcasting because this stuff's good. I was thinking about what you were saying um, about picking up a friend and bringing him. I like that. I, the guy I went worked out with two guys, two buddies this morning, Logan and Mike, and we were we were doing our little workout session, and uh, we we got we got talking about the importance of having other men in your corner. Did you did you play sports when you were younger, high school, college? I did. I I played kind of the the round ball sports all through, and then I played collegiate baseball and unaffiliated oh, awesome. okay. Frontier League. So what what position did you play in baseball? I was an outfielder. Okay. So let's say, you know, you got a, you got a, a runner on third and you have a deep left ball hit to you on left field and you back up and you got a bearing on the ball and you're about to catch it. And then you just, I don't know, trip or make an error or you lose it in the sun or you drop it or whatever. And you know, the run scores, that guy rounds first, gets to second base as you're fumbling around trying to pick up the ball. Well, how do your other teammates respond to you? Wow. I think on, on the teams that were successful, they covered my back. I had somebody, 
backing me up or encouraging me, picking me up, right? Like I've never been on a winning team where I had teammates that weren't there to to lift me up because they respected me because they knew I was going to do the same for them. And so it was this like reciprocal ability, right? Like nobody ever told me that I, you were going to do it wrong again. They had confidence. They, they asked you to go back out there into left field and get ready for the next play. And then what would happen if you did that? So that would be out of character for you, right? Yep. They got you back up. Cool. What happened if, what would, what would go down if that happened regularly? <laughs> like you it continues get, to happen. You would be removed from the spot until you figured out how to, how to like yeah. solve the problem. Yeah. Right. And they'd be like, what the hell, man? Like, come on now. What's going on? What do, what do we need to do? To your point, rally behind you. What do we need to do? We need to get you going. Are they going to take it easy on you? Say it's okay. No, it's not okay. Your performance is affecting the entire team. It's not okay. What can we do to help you? And that's the kind of people that we need in our lives. We don't need people who are saying, oh, it's okay that you messed up. It's okay. You didn't go to the gym. It's okay. You, your relationship is falling apart because you're uh, hooking up with other women or, you know, treating her poorly. It's okay. It's okay. I understand. It's okay. I don't want those people in my life. I want people who are like, no, man, we expect more of you. You're better than that. Come with me. We're going to the gym together. Cause you've put on 30 pounds. Let's go. Come on. We're going, we're doing this. That's the kind of people that we should want in our lives. It's not comfortable because they're not going to excuse your piss poor behavior and performance. But man, if you want to win, that's the kind of people you surround yourself with. That's been a big shift for me. As I've gotten older, my circle's gotten smaller. It's changed. I've, you know, I, I can't say that I've really gone scorched earth and like told people like, you can't be a part of my life anymore because of X, Y, or Z. But there's certainly people who over the course of a couple of years time, we don't see each other. We don't talk. Um, and I don't wish anything ill on them, but to your point, to me, there's a line, right? There's, cause this is an interesting one, right? You can, I feel a duty to, to extend my hand to others who I see who could use that hand. Right. Um, I've made some of my, my closest friends because of that, but I've also seen a lot of great men get lost in trying to save people who just are not willing or ready to be saved. Um, and I've started to come to this mindset. I shared this. It's funny, man. I shared this actually in my social media this morning. Cause I saw this quote and it was like, some people were not put on this earth to evolve, but instead they were put here to show you what happens if you don't evolve. And that can be hard because I, I have a good heart and I never want to leave somebody behind. But if you're not going to grow with me or at least make an effort and say, Hey, look, like I'm not there yet, but I want to get there. So help me get there. Right. I, I have the desire to be there. Then I'm willing to walk along at your pace and try to help you. I'm going to push you. And to your point, I'm going to criticize you and call you out, but I know that there's a receptive individual on the other side that has an interest in, in becoming better. That's not always yeah. the case. I, I don't, I don't believe what you just said. I don't, I don't believe that there are people here that are not meant to evolve. Like we're children of God. We're, we're commanded to evolve. Like we're commanded to grow, to learn, to replenish the earth, to have families, to serve other people. We're commanded to evolve. So I don't, 
I don't believe that. I believe there are people who will not evolve. But I also know that that's not my responsibility, because if we're talking about it from a spiritual realm, a spiritual perspective, we also know, are you, are you, are you a believer? Yeah. So I, I believe that we've been giving, given agency to make decisions over our own lives. And therefore I can't infringe upon your agency, meaning I can't force you to do anything. It's not my responsibility. It's not even my place. You have your agency. You're a grown ass man. I can't force you to do anything. So I think that everybody's meant to evolve. I think that some people won't, and it's not my responsibility if they choose to or not to. All that I can do is my best, and to your point earlier, extend my hand. And one thing I was going to say about that is when you're trying to serve and help a brother or a friend in need, you don't go into their world. You invite them into yours. If I have three friends and they're kind of dinking around and one of them, I'm like, man, I really need to help this guy. Like he's on a bad path. And I say, Hey buddy, let's get together. We need to get together. He's like, cool. Come to the party Friday night. Nope. You come to the gym Saturday morning at 5am with me. I'm not going into your world. Your world sucks. Your world is leading you to where you are right now. I'm not interested in that. You're coming into my world. And then you go pick him up. You offer your hand. You tell him to meet you there. And you allow him to come into your world. But yeah, we don't step off. We don't step down to serve people. We stay exactly where we are and we invite them to come with us. It's hmm. a really good point. What's been your biggest learning? You roll with a pretty, I would say, accomplished group of guys that I'm sure challenge you. And as you've had more and more success, what has been the one thing that has stood out to you? like having individuals that are high performers that are super accountable that have the means in a lot of ways to make themselves available. Like, have you learned anything through that experience as you've had more people paying attention to you? Yeah. I mean, I have that. Of course you let some success go to your head. I think that's human nature. That might be part of that natural man that we were talking about earlier. When, when things are well, you think you've got it all figured out and you're God's gift to, you know, whatever it is you're doing and uh, you begin to believe that you have everything figured out and that uh, you've got life by the balls. If you have that attitude, you're going to get humbled. As the saying goes, be humble or get humbled. Hmm. And I tell guys, and I try to live by this, is I'm not as bad as I think I am. But a lot of times I'll beat myself up and I, I won't, I won't uh, give myself any sort of grace. I will for other people, but I don't do it for myself. Um, I, don't, I don't forgive myself for mistakes that I've made. And I'm not saying let myself off the hook. I'm saying like, chalk it up, right? And move on, drive on. So I'm not as bad as I think I am. And also conversely, I'm not as good as I think I am. And I think people need to realize that you're not as good as you think you are. You're not as bad as you think you are. So afford yourself some grace, have some leniency, let yourself learn and experiment and develop and grow but also don't let it get to your head and don't think that you're God's gift to whatever it is that you might be doing. Cause something or somebody is going to kick you in the ass and let you know that, Nope, you had that one wrong. I mean, I went through a divorce. I struggled with alcoholism. There's a lot of stuff that I've dealt with that I don't think I had to deal with, but I let a lot of things get to my head and, and thought that, you know, I was better than I was. And then you slip and you fall and you realize, yep, I don't have this figured out. 
And then hopefully if you address it, right, you start making the moves that you were making before and you put yourself back on that path, but it's nothing about you. It's just, it's the path. It's the formula. Um, it's just not something that I, I have to be very careful of not letting that stuff go to my head and always be open and receptive to learning new things, evolving, growing, getting better, et cetera. How much was jujitsu a part of that for you? It's not just jujitsu. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that I do that, that are humbling when it comes to trying new things and experimenting, but well, I, I, I went to jujitsu two nights ago and <clears throat> there was a couple of guys, newer guys that hadn't been training for very long. They looked strong and fit. They were white belts. And I'm like, cool, I'll roll with these guys and take it easy. <laughs> you know, it's my, my rounds off. And I rolled with one guy and he was a handful, man. Like he's a former wrestler, very strong, very fit. He understands balance and some of the like basic principles and fundamentals of grappling essentially. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I had, I, I had my work cut out for me. That's what happens when you start to think that, oh, this will be my round off. Like, this will be easy. I got this. Yeah, no problem. And don't ever believe that for a second. Yeah. So there's a lot of lessons that can be learned in jujitsu, humbling moments that you realize. And, and you know, what always happens when you think you have it figured out, like, oh, I can beat that guy or man, last night I was, I was crushing it. I'm going to come back. I'm going to dominate everybody today. And that's where you just get the crap kicked out of you, you know? So I think jujitsu is great. It's basically a metaphor for life. If you're just like all sports, if you're willing to look at it that way. Yeah. You, you mentioned at the beginning, you're like, it's not just jujitsu. And I, I agree with you. There's a lot of things that can reinforce those <clears throat> types of traits and characteristics inside of somebody. It has, it has single-handedly changed my life the most um, in the last five years for me personally. And I don't know what it is about. I think probably if I had to boil it down, it's the community of, of men, right? That probably has been what I don't realize has had the biggest effect. Yes, showing up, you know, having the, the, a hard round with a, a lower belt, definitely like in those moments, it's, it is like once you, once you know the way broadly, you see it in all things. So that white belt is, you know, the new thing that your boss throws at you or something that your wife asks you to do that you don't really think about. You know, and then all of a sudden you're into a four hour project on a Saturday because you, you know, you just kind of bit off more than you thought you could or you committed <laughs> to friends. It all comes back to the mats, but jujitsu has, and I've gone through two injuries over the last three and a half, four years. And I never, and I played a lot of team sports, I never had the amount of random individuals who I was like, man, I didn't even know that that guy knew my name. And he just sent me a message and was like, I haven't seen you in two months. Somebody told me that you were hurt. Mm. Hopefully you get back. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think the common denominator between all of those relationships that you're talking about is suffering. You know, if you can suffer with people, this is why sports is a great example. This is why men, men specifically relate better, I think, through suffering and pain and adversary. Um you know, you, you went through some, some rough practices together, coaches getting after you, you guys getting after each other, getting into fights, overcoming difficult losses. Right. But then you, so that's sports jujitsu. You guys are all, you're, you're beating each other up every night. Right. And so you're suffering together, doing a Ragnar relay race together, going to train and work out together, military, you know, suffering in the military together, the tightest bonds for men are forged in suffering. 
and I, and I should say this way, meaningful suffering. The mm-hmm. goal isn't to just suffer for the sake of suffering. It has to have some sort of end in mind, right? Jiu-jitsu is to improve your physical performance, your ability to protect, et cetera, et cetera. Joining the military, you know, you're, you might have uh, a real sense of duty and obligation and loyalty to your country. There has to be some sort of meaning and purpose behind it. And then it gives that suffering meaning. And then you do it together. It forges tight bonds for men. We just don't suffer enough though. We do, we do suffer, but it's unnet, it's meaningless suffer, suffering, I should say. You know, for example, you're, you're, you're eating too much. And so you're getting fat. You're suffering, but there's no meaning behind that. There's no purpose to that. Or you're drinking or doing drugs or sedating yourself in some way. You're suffering mentally, physically, emotionally, but there's no great purpose or meaning behind it. So it's just suffering. And that's never a good thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. A lot of men suffering in silence. That's, that's yeah, true. because they're suffering doing things that have no purpose. Drinking has no purpose. Overheating has no positive purpose to your life womanizing gambling has no purpose pornography has no purpose like those things don't serve us so you'll suffer but you're not suffering towards a greater objective a greater good and you know it which is why you're suffering emotionally and mentally as well do you think we're going to continue to see a trend in the the direction a positive direction there's guys like andy elliott that are out there and it's it's taking this everything you just talked about pornography gambling drinking Part of me looks at the world and I'm scared to death because we've there's so many people that just don't seem to have a moral compass any longer. And I try to just be like, all right, that's just noise in the background. Live your life. You can still live a meaningful life and have a lot of impact. There's always going to be noise. Um, but I feel in other ways very optimistic because people like yourself, like Andy, and just that message overall as much as there's a lot of pushback in the mainstream, it feels like there's a little bit more of a groundswell now more than ever of people who are getting back to like maybe pushing directly against what we've been force fed for the last couple of decades. It seems. I hope so. You know, I've, I've often caught myself saying, you know, I wish I could just have a cabin in the woods and everybody could leave me alone. That's not why we're here. I mean, that sounds pretty nice actually. I've been there, dude. I know those days. But that's not why we're here. We're not here to isolate and to only worry about ourselves. Oh, you know, I don't have to worry about that because it doesn't affect me. Well, shame on you. Shame on you if you know something or you have information or a skill set that can serve other people and you're hiding it. You're isolating. You're trying to operate inside of a vacuum. What a shame. Why do you have that if it's not meant to be shared and gifted with the other people around you? So when somebody like Andy and I follow Andy, I like some of his stuff. I don't like some of his stuff. He's a very controversial guy. And I think that's a, a bold personality that we need. Goggins fits into that as well, right? Yeah. Bold personality, you know, he's, a lot of these guys are. <clears throat> and even in disagreement, you know, I still appreciate and admire what it is they're trying to do and accomplish. But yeah, you're supposed to share. You're supposed to serve. You're supposed to help your neighbors. You're supposed to teach people, educate people, inspire, motivate. And we can do it in an infinite number of ways. I'm not saying everybody has to have a podcast or be a motivational speaker, but shame on you. If you can't go mow the the widow woman next door, you can't go mow her lawn because her husband just passed away and she's 75 years old. That's a great way to serve somebody. It's a great way to shine your light or use your 
financial resources or the time that you have to give to somebody else because you want to improve their lives, we ought to be doing that. And we ought to be looking for more ways to do that. I think if I'm going to, if I'm going to be positive about this, because I, I do try to be positive, I don't think that the, those tenants are like foreign to, I think everybody's heard those tenants. And I think a lot of people believe and it might be why there feels like a groundswell because a lot of individual conversations, I don't think it's just that you're in a, in this kind of echo chamber of like-minded men and, and others. I think that a lot of people, I think 80% of people possibly think very similarly right now as, as in the current reality, some may have gotten here a little later, but there's a lot more people in this room that are kind of like, yeah, no, we all generally see things the same way. The problem is, is I think of that 80%, there's only a small portion who are willing to kind of raise their hand, right? The, it's the old, I remember when Columbine happened as a kid that was raised Catholic, we talked about it ad nauseum in, in like our youth ministry classes and things. They walked in and asked kids in the cafeteria, do you believe in God? They shot some of them and they posed that question to us. Like, what would you say? And I remember as like a, 12 year old thinking like, I don't know what I would say. Like, I don't, I don't know what I would say. There's a lot of adults that I feel like not even on the question of God, they don't know what to say, right? Like somebody says something stupid about culture or society. People are more afraid that someone's going to post a negative comment about them disagreeing with them on social media than they are about just speaking up for what they know is right. And that's, both again, like uh, here I am like toe in the middle line. It's encouraging and discouraging for me because I, I see so many people and I have so many great conversations and I'm like, like, why can't you just reinforce that? Why do you stand by idle and not speak up when you know somebody is saying something, whether they believe it or not, that is, that is in the direct conflict to what you believe deep down inside of your heart. Um, I just wish that we could, we could find a way to get more people to stand firm in what they truly believe because that to me I is think I think you're doing it you know and, and it's hard because I get a lot of questions like this like what can we do well we're doing it and you know it, it moves the needle it's not as fast as I would like or you would like we're high achievers we want to move the needle now and achieve the results that we desire now realize that vision but I but I think we are doing it I think we are hopefully empowering and encouraging men and women to step up to share you know, when you're on the right path is when you say, when people say, man, thank you for sharing that. I've been thinking that forever. And finally, somebody's sharing it. You are the mouthpiece. And when you share and you stand up and you make a stand for your beliefs, it encourages, empowers other people to do the same. And that's what we need because you have this quote unquote silent majority who are too afraid. You talk about that Columbine situation. Somebody needs to be shooting back. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and, and I know they're at school children. So the, the analogy is a little off, you know, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to the situation, but you know, where school shooters don't go into military compounds, <laughs> into military academies, right? Because everybody's got a weapon and everybody's going to fight back. They're looking for victims. They're looking for weakness. I'm not saying our children are weak. I'm saying our children are innocent. And a lot of times they're incapable of doing what needs to be done. That's why we need to step up and fire back. And instead of playing defense all the time, go on the offense, share what you believe, be willing to make a stand, 
Call people out when they need to be called out. Call ideas out when they need to be called out. Transgenderism is a great example of that. Mm. That is not healthy. It's deranged. It's destructive. It's dangerous. People are not only going to hurt themselves, and they have by mm-hmm. physically mutilating themselves at very early ages, they're going to kill themselves because of it. So those are ideas that we need to speak up about and call out. If somebody says, I'm offended, okay. Is, is your, does your offense warrant me being quiet about it? No. That's on you. You can be offended. I'm okay with that because this is what I believe and this is what's right and this is what I need to make a stand for. When we do it, other people will do it. They'll follow suit. They always do. Mm-hmm. Takes a few good men. Yeah, a few good men willing to call other people out. Like, hey, I need you to rally behind this mission. I need you to support what we're doing. I need you to be part of this movement. I need you to be a mouthpiece for what we're talking about. Because that, if we want to change, and guys will say all the time, what can we do about it? Start speaking up. Mm. Share things that are powerful. Like, it's all out there. Support organizations and companies and churches and things that you believe in with your financial capital and resources, with your time, with your energy, with your influence. This is how we turn the tide. So what do you have coming up that kind of leans into that? Maybe it's a good segue. As far as conversations, any more books, like what's on the docket for you for the rest of 2024? I mean, I've got more books in me. I don't know that I'll have a book out this year, 2024. Um, That's probably not in the cards as of right now. But uh, events are going to be a big deal. I've got an event coming up in May. Uh, I've got another big event. I want to create the world's largest men's conference is is what I want. And I want to start that this year. I don't know if it'll be the world's largest this year, excuse me, but we're putting ourselves on the path to accomplish that. So that'll be in the fall. Um, I really believe that through technology and technology is amazing. We wouldn't be having this conversation. You and I wouldn't have the reach that we do without technology. So I'm not, or even social media. I'm not saying it's bad. It's amoral. It's just how we use it. It's a tool. It's like saying a hammer's evil. It's not evil. It's really just how you use it because it's an inanimate object. Same with social media. Um, same with technology, which Guns. is how you use it. Yeah. Guns, yeah. Um, so the more that we delve into this digital age and this disconnected age where, you know, people are 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 just tapped into, you know, AI and like you talked about earlier and deep fakes and all this stuff, the more important that real personal interaction is going to become. The, the problem people will say is not scalable. Well, it is scalable. If I have 10 friends over to my place for a get together and we talk about maybe it's the gospel or we talk about uh, a book that we like and I do that with 10 guys and then I encourage those 10 guys to do that in their own communities and their own neighbors, uh, neighborhoods with their own neighbors or even to share at work or whatever, take somebody out to lunch those 10 guys are going to each serve another 10 guys. So now you have a hundred, then a thousand, then 10,000, a hundred thousand, a million. It's all scalable. So for me, I think my big focus for the way we administer or share the message of reclaiming and restoring manliness is by doing these events and encouraging other men to do them themselves. I mean, it's kind of exactly, I mean, speaking of religion, it's the path that Jesus took, right? It's just yeah, for sure. Why has that message? I mean, you think about he's, He is the single greatest influencer there ever was. 
has literally reached billions, billions and billions of people through thousands of years because it's mission driven Mm -hmm. and it's focused on production and good and quality living. These are the things that win. They always will. I'm really looking forward to, so are you thinking like an in-person event sometime middle of the year? That's yeah. When I say event, that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about like an online summit or anything. I'm talking about like an in-person event slash experience. Now you're on, you're in the middle of the, are you in Colorado? I'm taking it. No, I'm in Utah. You're in Utah. Utah. So West coast. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Please include me. Anything that I can, I'd love to be a part of that. And if I need to get on the boat with something to be a part of that by that point in time, let me know what I'm missing out on. But yeah, we'll talk about buddies in, in Utah, uh, Greg Overton, uh, he's a painter you might be familiar with, but he and I have been doing a little bit of business and I actually owe him a trip out to Utah. I used to spend a lot of time out in like the Provo area. Uh, oh yeah. Not used far. To work about for, three, uh, four hours from me. Yeah. Beautiful country. So that's, that's really, really cool, Ryan. I, uh, it's been a blast, man. This, this has been a lot of fun reconnecting with you. I think likewise it's, uh, it's always interesting to see a, that somebody's still, staying the course, right? There's other, there's been some people who I really enjoyed conversation. I'm like, oh, I want to go talk to that guy again. And I'm like, where did he go? What, did, <laughs> what is he doing? Which I, who know, you know what I mean? Maybe they're, people are solving their own problems, but to sure, see that you're still leaning through and, and driving this is, is really, really cool. So. Yeah. Uh, I've enjoyed it as well. I appreciate, well, like you were talking about earlier, I appreciate your evolution as well, you know, and and to be able to have this conversation more in a conversational tone, I think is, it's good for me. It's helpful. I took notes. I've got notes here. Oh, it makes me feel good. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I try to learn. I try to learn in any circumstance, in any environment, in every situation. If I can take something from it, then man, I might be a guest, I guess, technically on the show, but man, if I can learn something, I'm all about it too. That's just two, two guys having a conversation. I'm, I learn every time I have these. And to me, if nobody listens, I've got a video diary with a lot of really cool people where I've learned so much. And, uh, it's, it's also really cool for me to go back every once in a while and listen to things that I discussed before. And I'm like, wow, I've really, like, I have grown so much as a person. From yeah. Like, I don't things. believe that anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I can't some, believe some of those I said for sure. that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I have those for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, let's not make it three years the next time. Uh, love to have you on again in the future, but keep me in the loop. And this was this was a lot of fun. Appreciate you being on, buddy. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Yeah.